you for listening to this message from the Northgate. Just longing. There's there's two things, man, in my heart since the change of the year. And since uh New Year's down at the Apostolos and Mobile. And I have just this hunger again to go after him to priest before him. And no matter what life takes or what my schedule looks like, it, there's just drawing back to that. How many of you think are thankful for that drawing back? Because man, that's that's him, that's grace. Everyone doesn't have that drawing. And sometimes I've, over the years I've grown frustrated with people because I'm like, I don't understand. No one ever had to tell me to pray. And then the Lord dealt with me for a couple of weeks in that, and I realized that drawing I, I thought was just so natural to me was actually his grace pulling me in every single time. So I try not to ever judge people struggling. But, man, one thing I found out is even when I don't feel that, if I turn my face back toward him, Come on, James says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you, right? There's just grace upon grace. Every time you turn to him, he's like, it's about time you showed up. Adam, where are you? Here I am. Cool. Let's talk. Don't make him come looking for you. I was singing that song. I don't know if you guys were doing a sound check to put it in my mind or something, but I was over there singing, jealous, jealous. I don't even know the lyrics. And you guys went into that, and I'm like, oh. And maybe we did miss it earlier, Dale. We were we were down here, and I couldn't get, I was trying to play that Jeremy Riddle song we were playing earlier, and it just wouldn't work. I hit that thing. I'm like, I have a phone. I'm on this computer up here all the time. It is not playing. Dale's like, maybe you shouldn't touch it. Now Dale is with some sly truth right there. And I was like looking at it, and it was Chris Burns jealous. I'm like, oh, I'm not really feeling it right now. Maybe he was feeling it, and I should have leaned in. It was still good regardless. But after tonight, I'm thinking back like, man, we probably just left that on repeat. Praise God. The second thing I've been really kind of, it's not a wrestling thing. It's I'm feeling this draw to purity. Can anyone testify to that? Is anyone else dealing with that? Or is that just me? I feel, and listen, man, when I was back in the old days, I thought purity was like, I'm not looking at porn. I haven't dealt with that in freaking years. I ain't worried. When I'm saying purity, I'm not talking overt sin that none of us in this room should be doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking there's this, man, there's just this longing in me. Is that, I don't even know. Am I making sense to you? Do you, you know what I'm saying? There's just this feeling, and I, and I read something at the beginning of the year, and, uh, and I just started praying, Lord, if there's anything profane still in me, remove it. And it wasn't this, Hear me out, because we got this war going on in the body of Christ, and we've been on both spectrums of it. Like, you need to examine yourself and deal with it. Then you got, no, man, we're just loved, and there's nothing's ever wrong. There, there's really kind of a middle ground in there. Because if you can straight up sin while you're coming into these type of services and have a devotional life and not be convicted of it, and I'm not, again, I'm not talking about over sin, I just feel this, if there's any profane, you know what profane is to me? You know what it is in the Bible? Hebrews 12 actually tells us Esau was profane. Now, there's no indication that he was looking up porn, that he was stealing money, okay? 
He wasn't going to those illegal channels on his phone. Like, you know what he did? In a moment of hunger, he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And the Bible calls him profane in Hebrews 12. So what I'm, what I'm saying, there's a purity here. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about overt church of God sins, drinking, smoking, cheating on your wife, brother. We all know that. You shouldn't be doing those things if you are. But I'm talking, how much is this thing actually valued to you? Are we willing to go to a degree than saying, no, that's too far. I'm not going, I'm making it, I'm standing here, but I'm not going over there. Because when you do that, that's when he says everything. Because it's all about your heart. It's all about heart and growing you into sons and daughters. One of the most fascinating things to me, Bill Johnson used to teach us all the time. He sends out the 12, two by two, and he says, don't take anything with you. Not even change, nothing. Not an extra pair of sandals, not an extra coat. And then later on, he says, do you remember when I told you that? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, did you lack anything? They're like, no, the father provided everything for us. He's like, good. Now I'm telling you, take your extra stuff, then go sell it and buy a sword. So Peter really wasn't that idiotic when he cut the guy's ear off. He, he just made a little presumption. He told us to buy a sword. I guess he wants us to use it. I would have came to the same logical conclusion. Why else would I have a sword? Right? Got a little presumptuous. But man, there's this thing in me. If I, this prayer, and it, it's not a, I'm not beat up over it. Like I'm not beating my chest, weeping over the couch. I'm just saying, Lord, if there's any hidden profane thing in me, any anxiety that still doesn't trust you, that still isn't reconciled to you, come on, how many of you still have that little voice in you sometimes that when you're not feeling as connected to the Lord, it rises up and you start to begin to say, man, next week or today or Monday or whatever it is, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I'm going to start praying 1,000 hours a day and I'm going to start, and that thing rises up. But then I'm going to feel like never before. How many of you had that rise up? That's an indication that we're still struggling with the law. Because you could pray hours and thousands of hours a day out of love. Do you see what I'm saying? But there's something in me. I still have a little piece that rises up that says, I got to take the bull by the horns and make this happen. And that's where we plateau off. That and when we take credit. And I prayed for this and rocked it. Oh my God. I created streets, bro. When we prayed together, if we didn't pray, it would never happen. You start taking credit. Now, some of it's true. So it is your prayers. But if you start taking credit for it, because God didn't have to answer for them. He didn't have to answer them. And I don't know if this is hitting home with anybody, No. So listen, man, I, I'm just saying, I got this stuff burning in me. And I'm praying for this stuff. And I'm going in here, and I'm just like, all right, Lord, what's, what's going on? I'm like processing, processing the transition. I'm doing all these things. And then he just shows up in the most bizarre ways. How many of you have ever heard pastors say, if you're praying and he doesn't answer, maybe he doesn't want to talk about it. Thank God for that, because I'm pretty depressing to him sometimes. Even when I'm not whining. 
and you hear him say something out of left field that you weren't expecting. You're like almost sometimes, it used to be, I was like, all right, God, just give it to me. Hit your in the face. I'll shake it off. Then I'll do it next day. We're good to go. And he, every time I've done that, he's come in such gentleness. I've learned it's not going to happen now. Like, you know what I mean? He's coming to swoop me in and bring me closer. And uh, he just comes in with this stuff and, and, and then he swirls you out and you're like, what? And you just realize how ignorant and how like unbelieving the thoughts that you wrestle with the whole time previously were. And then you, then you kind of get mad about it. You know what I'm saying? So I want to tell you a little story because this happened to me recently. And then when Mr. Parker, how many enjoyed Mr. Parker last week? So, man, I, I feel like this longing, right? And I feel like, Lord, remove these, whatever, any kind of profane thing and the impurity. I just want to be, I want to seek you purely in spirit and truth. Just, I don't know of anything wrong, but just any unbelief, any anxiety in me, just get it out of there. Let me just, the way there's absolutely nothing in my heart that separates, because the separation's always on our end, amen? And uh, sometimes in the process of waiting for fulfilled promises, you start to get weary. How many understand what I'm talking about? Yeah? Raise your hand. Baby knows what I'm talking about. We talk about this. You got some pretty gnarly words on your life. Raise your hand. Say, you better raise your hand. You got some pretty gnarly words, and then next thing you know, 10 years go by, 15, I think I'm on 17. Like, Lord, I thought revival was in 2007. Then I thought it was in 2008. I thought it was in 2009. Then I thought it was 13 at the gym. Then I thought it was in 16 over there because we moved to the home of the Rockets. And here I am in 2024. I'm like, man, it's got to be in 2025. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not careful, that thing starts to wane and it allows unbelief to start to creep in. But just when you start there, God will bring a friend. God will bring a revelation. God will bring someone to speak to us corporately. And he'll speak directly to that fear or he'll speak directly and remind you personally what you're called to and you're like, sometimes you're like, man, I've heard that a thousand times. Yes, maybe we should get it. I'm saying we because I do it. One of the most things that humble me is when Mr. Parker's like, man, I get to go be with the Lovejoys and the Thompsons. I'm like, Thompsons? Are you serious? I'm sitting there looking at Jim like, I get them. Huh? I'm like, how people talk about us, view us, what? Shoot, are you serious? And I'm like, dang, that's humbling. That's not a pride thing that rises up. That's a humility thing. And when people come into your life like this, you got to listen to this. When people come into your life like this, they carry something, whether that's through a word or just the atmosphere of their presence. And I love Mr. Parker's teaching he hit in so many areas. It was amazing. But, man, when I got to talk to him privately a day before that, he was making my insides move. And when I came into pre-service prayer, I came in here, and I'm like, this is different. Last week, Joey's praying. I'm sitting here, and uh, I don't know if he walked in the building or what, but there was, it was like heaven opened up. Heaven opened up, and I began to go into an encounter. And this is 
this is what I'm saying. Like, just him being in the room opened this encounter up for me, and I knew it was him because I, I felt the same kind of feeling the day before when I was talking to him privately. And it opens up. You don't know who or what the person next to you is going to unlock for you. That's why it's so important to be in the room. We can hear the message and the words through live stream, but you can't. I, I won't limit God. I'm not saying you can't. But it's most of the time, it's when you're in the room and that atmosphere begins to move. Come on, because the reason why I called you guys off the back is I, I've been in Mobile. It's different in the back than it is the front. That's nothing against anything. Every church I've ever been to has been like that. There's just something about the hungry ones up front, and I don't care if I'm the old fat guy with all the young kids. Trust me, you've seen me up there. <laughs> me and Steph came, we're like, well, let's go. I want to be up front because there's something different with their hunger ones are. And I want to be in the center of the hunger ones. And if you're not in the room when they are, things, it's just easier for things to be unlocked in you and, and around you. And so Mr. Parker comes and I told him it was different tonight and it was different for me. And you opened up heaven corporally because stuff I was hitting on, she was hitting on, pastor was hitting on, he whispered, to me, we were talking about this, and I go into this encounter that relights my passion for the ministry or the mysteries. Relights my passion. I go into this encounter and I see the New Jerusalem come down. And I'm saying this to whet your appetite, because some of you are called to the mystery, some of you aren't, and it's fine. We got a good wintry mix in here. But I'm going to tell you anyways, and then I'm going to talk about how what this means, I think, practically for us and how we can begin to align our life around it. So I go into this encounter, and I begin to see the New Jerusalem. It's a golden cube, right? And it comes down out of heaven, but it's wearing a bridal veil. How I many of you know Revelations 21 calls the New Jerusalem? It says it's described as a bride prepared for a bridegroom. Who else is described by that, by the way? We are. Praise God. You guys remember last time we did this. Amen. All right. So I'll have to hack that up. So I'm watching this replay over and over. This veiled, it was like the veil was in the back, like the marriage already happened, but the veil was in the back. And it was this cube wearing a veil. So it's kind of strange anyways, right? Not a person. And this thing keeps floating down to earth. And I'm like, my God, in the encounter, I'm like, my God, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. I said it like three times. <laughs> now, if you know the parable, we're not going to cover it tonight because it's not where I'm, I'm leading to and what I feel like God's speaking to us. But that, that, that parable is a little controversial because that's the one that says, like, the Jews didn't respond, so go into the highways and byways and bring them all, then... The one people got cut in two because they weren't wearing wedding garments. There's a lot in there. You can unpack a lot. So I think at one level, God, Jesus was rebuking the Jews that were in front of him when he was giving the parable. And I think there's other dimensions. And so I'm like, man, I never thought about this wedding feast. Then I'm, is this thing continually replays like on a loop in my mind? And listen, I'm not trying to encounter anything, just him. And I close my eyes, and I, and I keep seeing this over and over, kind of like Peter on the rooftop where the, 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 the animals and the sheep kept playing over and over. And then I had this thought. I had this thought, and I said, I said to myself, I said, we always talk about the redemption of earth, don't we? But the Bible says heaven's going to be rolled up like a scroll. 
I've never heard anyone talk about the redemption of heaven. And I'm like, Lord, you're clearly going to redeem heaven. Because you said in Revelations 21, there's a new heaven and a new earth. The old ones will be rolled up. Like, all these different things throughout the scriptures you've declared. So in my mind, I can't comprehend it because my thinking is if God, if heaven's where God is, then why the heck is it need redeemed? Then my brain starts processing, well, the devil was in heaven and he fell. Third of them fell with them. Then I'm like, man, right? So I'm just having these thoughts. And I'm like, heaven's got to get redeemed. And then I see the vision change. It's still playing as a loop, but this time the city's broken in half, top and bottom like puzzle pieces. The bottom is established on the earth, and I see saints dressed in white looking up as the top of the heavenly city wearing the veil behind its back of the queue where what would be ahead comes down, emerges with the foundation that's set up on the earth, and it becomes one piece. And I'm seeing these like orbit lines representing earth and these orbit lines representing heaven. And I have this thought. I said, Lord, you know how you like think and it's like revelation in the encounter? I said, Lord, you tore the veil of separation. What does Paul say about that? He said, there's no more Jew or Greek or Jew and Gentile, depending on translation. But he created what? One new man. So in this encounter, I said, Lord, just like you created one new man, are you now creating one new heaven and earth? I don't know if some of you heard me. Jew, one. Greek, one. One new man. Heaven, one. Earth, one. One new place called heaven and earth. The new Jerusalem, it was the merging, it was the marriage of heaven and earth in one time space. And I was like, man, this is out there. So I texted the Apostle Aaron, Pastor Elder Nietzsche, Ben Robbins, Luke Fulcher, smartest man in the revival family, and he's single, so he could has a lot more time to read than everybody else. Praise God. And Luke texted me back something. He said, you know, it's funny. Everyone thinks heaven is eternal, but heaven wasn't always around because it wasn't created till Genesis 1. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. I was like, my God, it's plainly written. I never thought about that. He's like, so heaven, we think, is eternal, but has a starting point, which means it has a purpose. I have a little theory that might get me in trouble. You want to know this? God's this self-existing being without beginning or end. He creates creation. Then he sits outside of time and says, I want a place to enter in my creation so I can interact with it. I'm going to call it heaven. How many of you ever seen the movie Tron? The creator creates a video game, then he enters into it. Uh-oh, that's just a conspiracy theory, Jason. Don't get mad at me. I can't prove that one. I need to create a space inside of creation so I can interact with the creation. I'm going to call that heaven.
because he existed before heaven did, right? Because he was outside of it and he created the heavens and the earth. So is God creating like one new man, one new place, heaven and earth, and one unified access to every dimension of it? And this is where I, I razzled everybody that I text. Because I came back with, me and he's talked for like two hours on the phone about it. Because I came back and said, okay, if heaven and earth are becoming one. Because I'm talking, Robin Beach said, you're on to something. All of them that responded said, you're on to something. This feels right, and I can't disprove that. You know what I mean? And I said, well, if heaven and earth are becoming one, was it one in the beginning? This, is, this redemption is just a part of original intent. Then some people got nervous on me. But me and Mike went over a lot of scriptures about how it seemed in the beginning before the fall that things, beings could just go to and fro, heaven and earth, as if there was no space barrier. Now, I'm not saying on a linear plane, going to heaven was like driving to Chicago. I'm talking dimensionally, but there was something about the garden that I believe, and I can't prove it, but there's something dimensionally about the garden that when Adam and Eve were in there, they'd even, they were clothing glory. Nothing died. Sounds a lot like heaven to me. And if you actually go study some scriptures, it says Eden in reference to being heaven or the, the dwelling place of God. So I think Eden was not just on earth. I think Eden was simultaneously in heaven. And I think I have enough scripture to prove that part. Now, if you use the language heaven and earth are in the time, same time space, people get uncomfortable. But I actually believe, and you don't have to agree with me, that in Eden, heaven and earth existed accessibly. What I think is Eden was in the heavenly dimension as well as on the earth. And when they sinned, I can't prove this, that instantly that upper dimension was cut off. And now the only thing that existed was the physical plane. I got to throw them out. Well, they were still rolling around. And we know where Eden is on the map between the Euphrates River and all that, and it doesn't look like that now. But the Bible still talks about a paradise of God. Is it possible the paradise never actually was on earth, but it was heaven on earth? All right, I'm going to stop. I'm gonna, some of you guys are going to get mad at me. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then when they sinned, it was like, desert, where this come from? It's always been there, just looking from the wrong dimension. All right. Well, he started with man. Is it possible he's going to fill in all creations? Ephesians 1.23, I'm just having fun. Can I have fun, stir up the mysteries? Ephesians 1.23 says Christ fills all in all. Some translations, it goes everything. He fills all in all, even everything. He comes and fills everything he made. Oh. So my question is, the creation is longing for the sons of God to be revealed, to come out of corruption, correct? So who got saved first? Paul says we're the first fruits of many, right? So we being the first fruits, I actually think we're included in that because I don't think it's over. We come into salvation. He puts us puts his spirit in us. We become a part of who he is. He literally, what's, what's the kingdom of God? Those are in ministry school. Where God is and he's in charge of. So he comes in you. He literally plants the kingdom of God inside of you 
scriptures say. He literally comes in and plants heaven inside of you, puts you on the earth as the answer, not the problem. It's the solution. <clears throat> and he starts to restore stuff. But Paul talks about everything was paid for, but not everything has yet been repossessed. Is it possible what the church is actually supposed to do instead of trying to get out of here is set up a foundation on the earth? So the capstone, he's both the cornerstone and the capstone. The capstone can return. You know what it says in Revelations 21? When the city comes down, it says it's complete. Wait a minute. I thought it was finished on the cross. It was. The initiation of all of his work on earth. Now he's working in heaven. He's working on earth through us. And the city comes down and says his tabernacle is among men. And he declares again, I'm the Alpha and Omega. It is complete. The marriage. Heaven has come to earth. In the same time space. Let's go to Revelations 21. I want to show you, that, now with that lens, I want to read this to you because there's a practical side of this I want to get to. I'm just having fun with you now. <clears throat> then in a vision, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Wait a minute. There it is again. Heaven is being made new. The dominion of God is going to get overhauled. Guess where it's getting overhauled? In a vision, I saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea no longer existed. Remember how Apostle taught it's not quantitative new, but qualitative new? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven, the heavenly realm, from the presence of God, like a pleasing bride that had been prepared for her husband, adorned for her wedding. Whose wedding? The city. Because if we're the bride of Christ, we're already married to him. This is the consummation of heaven, Mary, and earth. This is this capstone of redemption for all of creation. And I heard a thunderous voice from the throne saying, look, God's tabernacle is where? With human beings. From now on, he will tabernacle with them as their God. Now he... God himself will have his home with them. Now, hold on. Doesn't he already tabernacle with us? Why? We're the first fruits, Ed. So is this fulfilled or is this being fulfilled? Yes. God with them will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. So we know this is not yet. This part here. So he's not talking just about the initial salvation experience of men where he comes unto us and tabernacles with us. That's already done. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist for the old order has ceased. What did I teach you before? Who's in charge of the new order? In Christ, the sons. Remember, he won't give this new order over to angels. But to his son, let's skip down to verse 9. 
Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of the last plagues came to me and said, Come, I will show you the beautiful bride, the wife of the Lamb. Again, it refers to the city as the bride. He carried me away in the realm of the Spirit to the top of a great high mountain. Someone say Zion. There he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. These are two separate encounters that are running concurrently. He goes back into this. I was, it was infused with the glory of God, and its radiance was like that of a very rare jewel. Like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a massive high wall with 12 gates, and each gate had an angel. Each gate had written upon it the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. The city wall had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Do you see the connection between the people of God and the city? Let's skip down to verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Come on. Ephesians says we're being built up what? A house of worship or a dwelling place or the Holy of Holies, depending on what translation you read. The churches. The city has no need for the sun or moon to shine, for the glory of the Lord is its light, and the lamp is the lamb. Can you imagine being so glorified, BB, that you don't even need the sun? The sun could be blotted on, it doesn't matter anymore. That I think that's literal. The people who walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their wealth into it. We have an assignment as the church to set up a foundation. Then we could go through scripture after scripture where it says, raise up the, you know what I mean? Move every stumbling block out. Raise up a highway of holiness. There's so many things that talk about this. I believe that wasn't just referring to John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. I think that was the initial one, but I think there's still a part of that. How many had prophecies that were for you, but were for other people. Yeah, it was for you, but it's also for your grandkids. You see what I'm saying? There's different dynamics and different dimensions of these things that I believe literally we have the opportunity to help build the foundation of this for heaven to come and get married to earth. Why do I say that? Because it says clearly in the New Testament, hasten the day of the Lord's return. Is it an appointed time or is it Something that could change depending on how the church responds in the earth. Yes. Maybe the appointed, you've heard me say this before, maybe the appointed time is not a day set in stone. Maybe it's a phase of the church when we get our crap together. We could actually say, he's like, all right, you see where they're at now? It's time. Because Ephesians says, fivefold ministry, people say no longer exist. I'm like, you're a fool. You want to know why? Because we ain't one body. We're not the full stature of Christ, but when we are, when we become that, guess what? His return is imminent. Are you guys getting the magnitude of this? An eternal God created this beautiful creation, and he decides he's going to co-labor with man, and he's going to redeem us so he could use us to redeem not just the earth, but the heaven. Do you know you're partial redeemer to heaven? 
It doesn't say all of earth. It says all creation. We already covered that. Thanks to Luke Fulcher, we now realize, bam, heaven's a part of creation. Here's the thought of my conspiracy theory. If God created heaven as his seat inside of time so he can interact with creation, is there any need for it once he tabernacles completely with men? Hello. I feel like Apostle Aaron. I used to listen to him back in the heat, be like, hello. If heaven merges earth, Justin, and he comes in, he's tabernacling with us. It means he's always there. He doesn't leave. What if we're the ones setting up a foundation for this to happen? I'm not saying it's not going to take 400 years to see but what if we and how we live begins to hasten some in the earth that people start to realize this is more about my problems and my drug addiction. This is more about my depression. This is more than just coming to church and having revival and saving people. This is literally a setup for the greatest marriage of history because the parable of the wedding feast always confused me because I'm like, if we're married to God and we're already the bride of Christ, why are we the guests at the, at the wedding? If we're his bride, why are we guests at the wedding? This makes no sense. Now it makes sense to me. People could disagree with that. I'm okay with it because I'm just like, listen, man, I just saw what I saw. And I see heaven and earth getting married, and we set up a foundation on the earth for this to happen. Now, what does this mean for us today? We are aligned with apostle who's been assigned to third grade awakening. And I believe Mike Bickle's prophecy, no matter what's going on in drama at IHOP KC, Mike Bickle had an encounter in Cairo, Egypt, that said, Lord showed him in one generation, he'll change the expression of Christianity. But what it's known as and how it's expressed in one generation. I believe Apostle D is the cornerstone of that revolution. And I believed us being joined to a son and a daughter in the Lovejoy family puts us direct access to help see this come to earth. Who knows? This could be so, This could be the beginning of what builds the foundation that we're talking about. But until, Joey, until we see it in the earth, to the top of it comes down, I mean, he, he saw it as one piece. I'm just showing you. There's something for us to set up for that to come down. <coughs> How can we align ourselves with that truth, that understanding that literally what we do and how we live our lives, BB, has cosmic implications, literally. I don't like the word trial because I don't like the competition, the competitive feel to it. But what if this thing is like a trial for who's going to rule and reign? You You don't do that through fighting and grappling and, and elbowing to get the shot in the highest score, you come with the greatest dimension of humility and laying down your life and the greatest yielding we can ever happen. So what does this all mean for us? Listen, it's going to take a huge movement to get the world in sync in one order, <clears throat> to get heaven and marry earth. But you know what it doesn't have to take is me and her to have it at home. 
It doesn't, does that make, do you see what I'm saying? Before I, before I'm going to see an earth, it has to happen here. And the biggest charismatic blunder probably that I've heard since growing up, and it's never been different, was you always want to see worldwide revival, but you don't want to see revival in your own home. And I know we're not having church services, like with our marriage and stuff. I get all that. It's not what I'm saying, but but I'm talking the loyalty, I'm talking the love, I'm talking the unconditional agape love being so rooted and grounded in your home. What if we can't do it on a global scale, but I could do it in a Thompson home, you could do it in a Zader home, you could do it in a McCune home, you could do it in a Harbaugh home, you could do it in the Bell home, and you could begin to start to create an atmosphere in your own home. Come on, Apostle said, I don't steward revival, I steward peace in my home. Whew. What if we begin to steward this in our lives and our home and we become so pure in this thing? And it's, listen, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about we got to work our things up. I'm talking about, man, I don't know if I want to sound anymore in my house. That's a different vibration than him. I'm not saying you can't watch a football game or, or whatever. You know, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, I want the mode of my house to have so much peace that when people come in it, they feel a tangible difference. When they sit in a beanbag, they can feel a little bit different on the beanbag than they do in the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Because those are only SOS prayers in there. The beanbag or the glorious one. The bathroom, those are like, Lord, help me. Yo! I get a little James Brown in there. How do we begin to align our, do you feel what I'm saying? I don't want anything in me that's a frequency. And I'm not talking sin. I'm talking attitudes. I'm talking bitterness. Hebrews warns us bitterness can defile many because if you're bitter, you'll complain about every freaking thing in the planet, even good things. You'll find something to criticize about it. Someone to get you a job and you'll complain about them. Uh-oh. Someone open a door for you. And you're like, I don't know, that's a lot of work. Were you just praying for more money? Uh-oh, got quiet in here, BB. This must be for more than one person. You had a breakthrough because someone prayed for you. Now they're not good enough. They don't, they offended you. Remember Apostle talking about honor, amnesia? That's not just up. That does work up. That's with everybody in our life. Are we trading people common? When you do business on the world, kingdom builders, it's different than we do business with mama. Uh-oh. You do business with the kingdom family. Are you a family member coming up to help, or are you... Well, my company would charge you this. Well, I'll hire a company then. I thought you were a brother. I'll honor you. I'll sow into you. Uh-oh. Do you see I'm talking about purity? Man, I feel the pushback. Praise Jesus. Because this is the profane thing that's hindering us, that causes us frustration. Because it's something that separates us. I could really use the money real tempting to mm. 
I might just let the Holy Ghost do the conviction because it got real quiet in here. And listen, I wasn't talking about planning on talking about any of that. So if you're convicted, you might want to pray about that. That's not on this piece of paper. Is it, Hope? That's not in here. You know where I'm being challenged in this season? I want to activate love. The people can do nothing back for me. I believe in exchange. I do. And don't, don't hear this and pervert that. I'm saying is Chris Mathis came in here and said, man, get them out and honor people. It says, you know, it says in the Bible that, that it doesn't count anything toward you, toward the Father. If you just love people that love you and be good to people that are going to be good to you back, you got your reward when they were good to you back. But, but if you do that to someone that doesn't do you good, that can do nothing for you, you got some bonus points with Big Pop up there. I'm not telling, listen, he, he also says, if you give the least of these a cold, a cup of water. So yes, it is very important. But I'm saying is, I'm being stretches. Man, it's really cold outside. I wonder if we should go buy some socks for some homeless folks. They can't do nothing for me. And I feel challenged that I'm not even... I, I don't even want to talk about here because I don't want to stir anything up. I'm just saying I got some things I feel like I'm going to do secretly because there's some things you do before men to let your light shine, but there's some things you don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. You know what I'm saying? And I feel this alignment coming. Why? I didn't see a homeless guy begging for anything. I feel like I'm going to search him out because how many of you in prophetic condition? Raise your hand. One thing I teach all the time is the priming of the pump. Our well, foot valve in our well went one time. And I don't, I don't know, Joey, you were over there, out there, 60 feet of freaking hose. I'm like, and Red Fox? And where the heck is this thing? So go like 60 feet down there, covered. We almost ran out of yard to like pull that sucker out. And like, we got to prime the pump, Joey said. I'm like, prime the pump. Our water don't work. Got ahead of, we had to get a hose from the neighbor and shoot water down there in order for water to come up. And what I teach is in the prophetic class, if you're in here, is, come on, Talani. I'm glad she's awake, folks. So if I'm praying for Talani and I have nothing, what do I teach you in prophetic class? I bless. I just pray good things. Lord, I just uh, bless her future husband right now. Maybe like seven feet tall, muscular, eight pack, and a billionaire. And the nicest guy, seven feet. Okay, maybe six and a half, six and a half. And I, but, it, but like what's actually, do you know what's actually happening? Because he said, pray for those who despitefully use these and pray for your enemies and all these things. So as you pray with pure intentions, guess what happens? Your blessing, your prayer, actually is my neighbor's water hose shooting down the well of your anointing. And then what comes back up is now, okay, you know what happens? Holy Ghost said, I like that. You're praying an unselfish prayer. You're praying for her interest, not your own. I'm going to get behind that and goes, here comes the prophetic word. Go ahead, son. So some things that we're looking for, it's not that we're working and trying to strive for, is you literally just have to activate it by priming the pump. What is that? Realigning your values with heaven. So when we, we do these things, 
don't don't get mixed up between the extreme argument. We do absolutely nothing, and then here we have to do everything to make it happen. No, there's not striving doesn't mean we just sit there and do nothing. All I did was worship. You know what that means? I was worshiping. That's something. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? We activate, we prime that pump, and we begin to align our lives. And when we see these things that are not pure, that are profane in our lives, we say, nope, that's not it. Lord, I want to realign here. I want to realign here. Not to beat yourself up. We have the most opportune moment. And I know I'm just talking to his family. Is this okay? We have the most opportune moment right now. We have the most opportune moment right now to come fully alive. You want to know why? COVID took our ability away to lay hands on each other. But home groups, boy, you can't run from these suckers because they're going to get you. Hear that, Deanna? They're coming. Shake it up, I'll send her over there. Get her. Get her. Just like, I'm going to get you. Joy, 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 joy. She's barking joy all over the place, my wife. Amen. How do we get there, baby? How do we start lining our lives up with love? How do we start anchoring our homes and our families and our thinking into this thing that literally marries heaven and earth and our marriage and our kids and our same time space? It's activating these things. It's being consistent. You heard pastors say that a lot lately, right? It's about being connected. It's about being intentional. Why is consistency important? Let me give an example. I went to the gym the first time in two week, week and a half, two weeks today. And some guy was using the machine. When I was using it, he popped over, and I'm like, oh, I could do that. I jumped on it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Looks like I'm only doing five of these this time. You know why? Because they've been inconsistent. That weight would have never bothered me a year ago, Justin. You know what I'm saying? But now I'm like, mighty God. It's a little heavier than I imagined. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Connection. You don't know who's going to unlock something for you. We know apostle. We know pastors do that. We know spiritual dads break lids off. But, man, I had this encounter I'll never forget. When John Hitchman opened all these doors, John was dressed in a way with that glorious beard. It didn't change. And he was unlocking doors. And I'm like, okay. I couldn't open. I was trying to open these doors. I couldn't get it. John was on the other side, opens the doors. Like, go ahead. And I'm like, all right, Lord, you're messing me. Why John Hitchman? <laughs> Nothing against John. I'm just like, all right, pastor, apostle, Bill Johnson, Jesus himself, an angel I get. John Hitchman, come on. What are you trying to tell me? He goes, he can unlock things, unlock things for you because you have no contempt in your heart toward him. Are things still locked up in you that's been prophesied over you? Is it a matter of contempt? That's a profane thing. Get it out of you. You know how you get it out? That bad thought comes around. You think you just know everything, don't you? You know what you do? Uh-uh. Nope. 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 I'm not entertaining this one, devil. Not doing it. That man's done too much good for me, for me to have that thought. I pointed that direction, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying any, anywhere. 
that group of people have done too much for me to walk away from them. And even if I'm aggravated at them, they've done too much. Joey's helped me with plumbing. Jeremy prays for me, calls me. I'm like, man, he probably knew or didn't know. I don't know, but, man, I really needed that. Y'all pitched in to pay for the adoption? So moments when I get frustrated because I don't see things going like they should, the Lord reminds me, that family you're frustrated with? I could, I could dwell in what I see could be better or I could give God thanks that this house has done so much for me, even if I could have done it for myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a profane thing that needs to, that's not a be oh God. It's like, why am I thinking about that from that person? How could I ever get mad at mama? Oh my God. I never get mad at Mal, by the way. I don't know if that's ever, I don't know if that's possible, actually. She just looked up at me and I saw her. Leaving me notes, giving us cards, prophesying about our son. And when he wouldn't pray with me, he prayed with her. That that unlocked something in us. Because for some reason, I'm not sure why, Come on, let's sit down and pray. Just did it with her, comes back. I'm like, what happened? Just praying with Mama. Mama unlocked a devotional relationship between me and my son. Do you understand this? Do you understand how important that is for me? She's done it for a lot of you too. Do you get it? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? We position ourselves, but we have to discern the Lord's body correctly. And this is where we fail. Are these two who aren't here traveling for us? Are they just good preachers and worship leaders? Are they just people that get the room moving so you can feel God then go home and do the same thing you've been doing the last 20 years the same way? Is there a special place in their heart for you, for them? This is how we win. It's not, it's not okay to honor once in a while. We have to be consistent. It's not okay to be connected once in a while. We have to be consistent. It's not okay to be intentional last year, when Asbury's breaking out and we're down here praying, I'm not telling you all that you have to do that. Don't worry. Don't go. I'm saying if we want the fruit of this, we have to be intentional all the time. That's what brings heaven to earth. That gets you off the roller coaster. I've been looking and reevaluating some things in my own life of order where, okay, I've been inconsistent here. I've been doing this here. Okay. I'm going to get to bed early, haven't yet, but I've been getting up consistently at 7 or 7.30, making sure before I do anything that prayer comes in more than normal, more than what it has been. Consistency, connection, intentionality. When I've been praying for the house, and this is going to be the last thing we're going to cover. When I've been praying for this house, I keep hearing the phrase, strengthen 
what remains. Strengthen what remains. Don't focus on who left. Don't even focus on where we're going. Because who knows what, how many things are going to change. Just say yes. Focus on you being consistent, being connected, and being intentional. And saying yes to everything he has for us. We prayed this morning for the priestly mantle to come upon this house again. David loses all of his men. You know the story of Ziglag. Under distress, calls for the ephod, which is a priestly garment at the time. Calls for the priest. They bring him the garment. He says, David encourages himself in the Lord. When I hear strengthen what remains, I hear David Okay, things haven't been going right. Maybe you haven't been doing stuff right. But he's like, I know what this means. Kids, this is the greatest lesson you could hear right now. When you get to rest, when you get stressed, and you don't feel you add up, what do you do? You strengthen yourself in the Lord. You strengthen what remains. Everybody's left. We're half the size we used to be. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen what remains. Hope, can you put up Hebrews 12? And I actually want to start in verse 1. Then we'll go down to the scriptures I've given you. I'm going to show you a key how you could do this. And some of those rabbit trails I went on, they were for you. Because I felt the pushback and some of you started squirming. If you want to be a business owner, you better do it right. And you better not do how the world does. Integrity means more than just putting a core value on your website and telling everyone you're a Christian. Because if they pay you to do something and you don't do it, you don't have integrity. I don't know if that's speaking for anyone, but that just came to mind, so praise God. <laughs> I don't know any stories, so don't get mad at me. I don't know any gossip, so all right. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Go back. <clears throat> Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. What is sin? Coming on a rhythm, come on a cadence. Now let's go down to verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And if you go on the passions in here, It'll have a note that you click on it, and it'll say, or paralyzed. So how many of you, how many of you feel like in this walk this last year or two, you've been kind of paralyzed in your spiritual walk? Stagnant, you haven't grown. You're growing weary, and you're like, man, I don't know if I can make this journey, if I can walk anymore. It's paralysis. Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Go to 13. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So listen, this sounds like a rebuke. It is not. It's saying we have the most opportune time. Because every time someone lays hands on me, I get strengthened. Every time someone prays for me over the phone like Jeremy, I get strengthened. 
Whenever my wife encourages me, I get strengthened. Whenever we send a group text out and I just see Jason excited, so you guys are my fire, I get strengthened. Because I'm like, yeah, that's what it's about, brother. He's not even trying to encourage me. It just hits the heart, and I'm like, yes. Anytime I say I'm coming down and Mike Clendenin comes and Armin comes and Dale comes, and I'm like, okay, we got some boys we could pray with. I get encouraged. I don't need them here. I can pray by myself. But something about when Dale and Mike and Armin and Jeremy or whoever comes is in the room, it's just that much more glorious. Come on, let's go to Isaiah 35, 3 verse 8. See, Hebrews is quoting Isaiah 35, but Isaiah 35 gives us more details of what this looks like. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Here it is. You ready? You want the blueprint of how you strengthen that remains? Yeah? This is, the connect, this is what's connected to the home groups. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, don't fear. How many of you ever had someone say that to you and it blessed you and it brought you out of fear? Raise your hand. You can't do that if you're not connected. Pastor can't speak over you and encourage you if you don't show up to service. The girls can't minister you in song if you're not in the room. A hundred people at the home group can lay hands on you, but if you're not intentional and you, you refuse to be connected and open yourself up, you're going to shut off every blessing. That And God's probably trying to answer a prayer that you're praying about direction or whatever or some courage, and you're cutting off because you don't, you're not comfortable in a safe place. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. You're going through that, Mike and Aaron? It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to tell my, I don't know anything about your story, but I'm going to tell the story. And what happens? Did you get encouraged last week? And then here comes little Eber. You would have missed that whole thing if you weren't here. You decided to go to a party or something. You would have missed that whole thing. What was it? It was because you said yes to being consistently here and being one of the first ones here and saying yes to being connected. All because you're intentional. God said, watch what I do when Mr. Parker comes. He's not going to have any ideas. He's going to share his story, but it's going to move mountains in your heart. She would, they would have never been strengthened that day if they weren't here. You guys getting this? This isn't about religious duty. My thing is when people don't show up, it's like, why would you not want to be here? Pastor's not here? I get it. He rocks me too. But you know what? I still got Diamond Dale back there. I got Mama and Papa. I know a massage is coming. I'll give you 20 minutes to stop, Papa. Give you 20 minutes to stop right then. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. When? When you declare 
God's coming for you. He's with you. He's not against you. I know what you feel like right now sucks and it doesn't make any sense, but I'm telling you, God is on his way. He's pursuing you. He's chasing you. That encouragement is what causes the blind to see and the lame to walk. Come on, we may not have physically seen it many times here, but you know what you have seen? Man, I never saw it that way. Thank you so much. You are prophesying right into the heart of the issue that I'm dealing with right now. So blind people do be able to see. I was blind to this environment, but now I could see. I couldn't walk over here. But your word picked me up through encouragement. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. You're not even going to like walk like normal. Come on, lay hands on me, Sister Jane. I'm going to do a car wheel. I've never done one in my life, but he get me supercharged. Get you and Jeremy up here, a little shot kebab. A big Mike might do a car wheel. Praise God, all things are possible for those who believe. Not sure I believe that, but I, you know, I'm working on it. Help me with my own belief. And the tomb of the dumb will sing. We're declaring this over our son. We just got another assessment. His worst area is speech. Physical therapy is growing up, and he's still like, mm, no. Because you know what he does? He sings more. He probably sings better than he talks. This is for us right here. For waters shall birth forth in the winter wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and a thirsty land springs of water. The habitation of jackals where each lay there should be grass with reeds and rushes. <clears throat> a highway. I'm going to take you full circle. Back to the new Jerusalem. What are we creating? A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. We don't need to speak the rest. By you declaring over one another, you're setting an alignment to happen in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, in this church, in your city. That's why pastor says, pray, pray, pray since he's three years old. Lift your voice. I'm a huge contemplator, but when I come in corporally, you won't keep my mouth shut, and you all know that. There's an amplification, and Isaiah 35 promises us when we do it, things come alive, dry places become watered, and there's a highway of holiness that creates a path for other people. And I believe that highway to holiness is the foundation that ushered, that invites it's like you got an air traffic controller. You got the guy with glow sticks coming. Come on, heaven. Right here. Land right here. Land right here. <coughs> this has to start with us in devotion. This has to start with us in our marriage. I'm going to get the band up there. I want Mike and Aaron to come up here. What I've been praying about this and strength and what remains 
I believe this is about the home groups, us being vulnerable enough to let people pray and minister to us, and us being vulnerable enough to minister and pray. But what I saw as I was praying for service tonight throughout the week are married couples. How many are on Monday prayer? Anyone? I saw a woman that was in the room, a mother and a wife, and I saw an unveiling happen, and I heard Mother's Day, Mother's Day. And we're five months away from May, number of grace. And I believe there's grace over the North Gate. And I'm not even, listen, I'm not even putting a calendar time in this. I felt like as I was praying into this, man, I hope to God it's by Mother's Day on the timeline, but but God didn't say that, so I'm not going to get presumptuous. But I believe it's the, it's the Mother's Day to be unveiled. Pastor Jimmy's been praying into the Deborah's being awakened. It's mothers being unveiled. You know one mother I saw unveiled today? Do you know what heaven on earth Heaven and earth being married in the same time space looks like? It looks like this. Come here, Mike. Turn to the side. Take hands. And the reason why I picked these two is because she blew my mind earlier today. And this man brags on her nonstop. I, I mentioned this earlier, but this is, this is the beginning of heaven marrying earth is right here. And as we lie in our marriages, similarly, they're not our spiritual parents. Don't, don't twist what I'm saying. As, as we do something similar than what they do in this area, this is an area that they win at. Well, Mike tells me all the time, he comes down and prays like, man, I had a real bad deal the other day. I was struggling. And my wife took all the prophecies spoken over me, over us, typed them out, printed them up, and gave it to me and said, this is who you are. Oh, you want to hear revival, Northgate? It's when Mike starts to question whether his dreams are from God or if he's just going to keep going the way he's going. He starts to get weary. And he starts to question everything. But there's a godly Deborah in his life that refuses to let him stay there. And she comes in and she begins to say, no, this is who you are, Mike. Remember the words on your life, if he said it, it's going to happen. I don't care the, the stuff we've been through. And they've been through a lot if you know the stories. But you know how I know they're going to make it? Because of this. So Aaron, I want you to keep your eyes closed, but I want you to take the microphone and I want your light to shine as you pray over your husband into who he is. I want the whole world and I want the live stream to see what it looks like when a godly woman stands by her man. And I'm sure there's things Aaron know about Mike that I don't know about Mike. She knows scars I don't know about. She knows wrinkle, whatever. She knows every little detail of his life, his good attitude, his bad attitude, his best and his worst. She knows everything. But does she choose to dwell in it or does she choose to lift a man up for him to be the man of God that he is. Northgate, this, we've heard it from our pastor for years. 
This is revival. What does revival look like? It looks like your wife. I know you're not a, just close your eyes. I want you to take the microphone. I want you to show every lady, every spouse in this room and you teenagers that don't have one that you too inherit this. What does it look like when a godly woman refuses to let her husband dwell in weariness? ladies when you feel the tension start to turn in a fight that's revival blessed are the peacemakers Mike I don't I don't want you to do anything just pray I want you to do this just pray over her now like the times that she's struggling and she needs encouragement just real quick how you pray over her so the husbands in the room can see
Come on. As they prayed for each other, how many of it moved you? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Men or women, if that moved you. I saw, I saw tears running down the face of men in this room when she began to pray over me. You know what that tells me, ladies? As good as they are, as good enough as they don't feel like it. Even if you can see the weak areas, every man in this room needs a woman like Aaron in that regard. I say it like this. I can care less what 90% of the world thinks about Mike Thompson. Except for Apostle Dean to love Joyce. And most importantly, her. Because they can say whatever they want on Facebook about this church or me. I give a flip less. She says something about me, it hurts. Even if it's not her intention. And vice versa. Other people could say stuff to her, but if I say something sharp to her, the cut just goes a few inches deeper. The wound just gets a little bit bigger. And you know I'm going to do this. I want every couple to come out here with your spouse. Come on. And listen, this isn't a time to hide and pretend and hold hands until the time runs out. I want you to take turns declaring over your spouse. Don't sneak, don't be, don't be that person that sneaks in little jabs as you're praying together. That's not holy. Little cuts, because Jesus doesn't do that to you. Take their hands, come on. One at a time. Man, we're the priest of the home, so we start. We're the priest of the home. And listen, I want every teenager in here, you guys stay focused, every single one of you. If you're single, you pray for this. So keep the atmosphere going. You guys, this is the this is one example, not the whole picture, but this is something they do glorious. And that's what I would pray for is you're looking for a wife, no matter where she's at or a husband, I pray for that. Lord, give me someone that's going to encourage me like Aaron just did over Mike. Like Mike did over Aaron. I want to find someone like that, that when I'm down, because times will come when it will come down. Everything's not fun all the time. And when it does, when it does, I have someone there to pick me up. I don't have to leave my own home to find encouragement because I'm strengthened by the one I love. Come on, I want to hear your voice. I'm not going to nose in what you're saying. I want to hear your voice to speak into them. I don't need you to scream your business. I'm just saying, you tell them how mesmerizing they are to you. Dig up the good things. You work so hard for us. Come on, my wife's a hard worker. I tell her that all the time. I say, you're one of the hardest workers I've ever met. You're one of the smartest people. You, Come on, you've all heard me say that about mine. You're one of the smartest people you're one of the most compassionate, loving people. Come on, man. You saying that over them may change them here. You may have a Mother's Day. 
and I'm not talking about a calendar holiday, you may see a mom, a super mom, rise up out of your wife. You may see an unveiling of your spouse and the mother in her that causes her to shine. I'm telling you, if we could get this, we'll see revival. Come on, ladies, your turn. We're not counting weaknesses and areas. They don't add up because I'm weak, she's strong. And when we're weak together, we got spiritual parents that are strong. We got friends and family. We have an apostle that's strong for us. Come on, this isn't just a cute prayer time. This is the beginning of heaven married earth. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.